Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges, and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, everybody. Scott Luton and Enrique Alvarez with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's show. Enrique, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for having me, Scott. It's always a pleasure uh, to be here and we have an amazing guest today. So very excited. Amazing's right. I tell you, it's been a long time coming. We've got a wonderful t- uh, conversation teed up today. It's we're going to be featuring a supply chain mover shaker, a supply chain leader, especially when it comes to the retail world. So with no further ado, I want to welcome in Shaker Nadarajan, Executive Vice President and Chief Supply Chain Officer with American Eagle Outfitters. Uh, Shaker, how you doing? Good. How are you doing, Scott? Like, And uh, nice to meet you, Enrique. Very nice Wonderful. to see you, Shaker. So good to have you here today. Uh, uh, we have been admirers of you and your organization. Love how you are challenging the status quo and and from a variety of different perspectives, we're going to talk about some of that here today, but uh, great. Appreciate you carving some time out with us here on Supply Chain Now. So, Shaker, before we get into the heavy lifting, let's get to know you a little better, because as we found out on the front end, you're a big soccer fan. But before we talk even soccer, tell us, where did you grow up and give us a few anecdotes from your upbringing? Sure, sure, sure. And like, no, it's uh, it's an honor to be uh, talking to you all. And um, um I actually, uh, you know, come from India, as you probably uh, guessed. Um, um, I've been in, um, actually, like, you know, uh, my we, we actually come from, uh, I come from slums in India, like, you know, mm-hmm. where uh, access to education, uh, paying for funerals, uh, paying for marriages, or like, you know, any function used to be like, um, you know, it was Herculean for us, including mm-hmm. like, you know, paying for my grandmother's uh, cremation, right? So, wow. um, so, um, and a uh, family of eight. Um, so, uh, you know, it's like three brothers and basically like my mom, dad, my mom's uh, cousins, like we all grew up together along with my grandmother. So all in like one room, like we, would, wow. we actually shared one room and basically that was the kitchen, that was also the bedroom. Um, and, uh, so fortunately, like, you know, like my brother came and I, I followed him. Um, and, um, so he had some medical, uh, conditions. So I came here to United States about, uh, some 21 years ago. Um, and my choice of university, uh, was really to find a place which was closest to him that way I could hop into a Greyhound bus and go and visit him over the weekend. And mm. that happened to be Georgia Tech and he happened to be, uh, at University of Alabama, Tuscaloosa, uh, four hours away. And I came to United States uh, with $34 in my pocket. You know, wow. so like life has been amazing. You know, I cannot, uh, I can't thong, thank God enough in terms of uh, the amazing blessings I've had and um, and the friends that I've had like over the years, like you guys. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's amazing. Sure. Shaker, I got to follow up. Gosh, there's so many questions I want to pose, but for the sake of time, let's let's stick with the, uh, you know, your to come to come here to the states with your brother with yeah. thirty four dollars in your pocket. I can't imagine, you know, the um, the the anxiety and kind of what to expect and the unknown. How, how did you just confront that? Put it in a headlock, 
and and just do it. How, how did you do that? Well, you know, uh, I guess like when you when you grow up like the way like you grow up, like you know, like you know what we had to go through from a, a childhood perspective. Uh, like most of my engineering, uh, you know, is was actually paid by friends and family, uh, and like you know, we are talking about like five thousand rupees for engineering school for the entire year, which translates to about like eighty dollars, right? And we we couldn't afford it basically, like you know, so we had a lot of family help and uh, charitable organization which actually donated for my education and so when you when you come you know when you grow up in the way that you grow up and you know family values become very important like you know staying in one room you know sharing the bondage like you know in fact like you know i i used to wear all of the leftovers from my from my brothers you know <laughs> generation passed right. down you know like, right. <laughs> so uh, so i guess um, you know when you come from those kinds of situation then Everything uh, is a plus. Mm. Everything is a positive. You have nothing to lose in your life. Wow! At that point in time, so like that conviction and that persistence is is what like you know um, carried me along. Like you know, like um, there have been ups and downs, and uh, there have been like some great moments in my life and some not so great moments. And basically, like you know, you just you just roll with the with the uh, with the dice, and basically, like you know, you make the best you have. Mm. All right, uh, Enrique. Before I, I ask uh, Shaker a follow-up question or two, I know my hunch is this resonates with you well because uh, this is kind of how you're geared, uh, Enrique. In many ways, your thoughts on uh, Shaker's journey here with his brother? Well, it really does, and I think that he's being incredibly humble because it takes a lot of uh, courage and 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 a positive attitude to do what he what he did. So, no, I'm. I'm inspired by your story and, and we're just getting warmed up here with this conversation. Right. So this is great. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. So uh, Shaker, let me ask you. So you, you, it sounds like you, uh, you went to school here at Georgia tech, which is uh, based in Metro Atlanta, as most folks should know uh, from a supply chain perspective, Gartner's ranked them once again, they're in a top 25 program. The one, of the best one, the, uh, they are the biggest industrial engineering program in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, what'd you major in and, and, and what'd you love about the Atlanta area uh, as you matriculated through? <laughs> that's, that's interesting. So, yeah, like, so I went to industrial engineering program uh, of all the things. Um, and my, my back, my undergraduate was in mechatronics. Uh, so it was mechanical and robotics. And basically the closest uh, was uh, industrial engineering at that time. It, you know, it was kind of a quasi process, robotics, and supply chain focus, logistics focus. So, um, and after you join, like, you know, you get to know, like, uh, what a great school it is, you know, like, you just admire it from the outside, but when you get inside, like, you know, you just, you just love the school. Like, it's, 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 a, it's, it's one of the best, um, rated best, but basically what makes it very unique is the professors, uh, the curriculum, uh, their focus on practicality versus really, like, theoretical um, and uh, the competitive nature of the students who actually get into the school that's right. actually that raises the bar for everyone around right. them so which is which is truly amazing uh, and atlanta is is a beautiful city like you know it's like closest to my heart um you know that that's where i you know spent my formative years in, in united states um and uh, what i love the most about atlanta as a city is like it has like kind of the vibrancy of uh, you know what you know it's America is like, you know, you find, you find diversity, you find basically like the diversity of choices in terms of like access to different kinds of culture, people, 
um, you know, it's 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 just a hobnob of things, and that's what America stands for. Mm. Uh, so you find you find everything in 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 Atlanta, what America stands for, mm. um, and uh, you know, I, I for the time I was actually going to the school, I never actually wandered anywhere beyond Midtown. And once I got my car, which was like three years later, <laughs> is when I started driving around and kind of looking at the cities. But like my mostly my travel was like on Greyhound to my brother. So whenever I had the opportunity to do so. So, no, it's um, and I have a lot of friends still. Um, it's uh, it's very close to my heart. And uh, and, uh, you know, the land of Coca-Cola, you know, we can, right. we can forget that. You know? <laughs> That's right. So, land of Coca-Cola and peanuts and peaches. Yes. Uh, to, to share a few things. Every everything in Atlanta starts with like a peach state. By the way, everything's peach tree. Yep. <laughs> well, so it sounds like clearly uh, Atlanta and Georgia Tech uh, had a, a big impact on on the early part of your journey. Of course, for my Georgia Tech friends, I think a big uh, mantra they've been embracing in recent years is creating the next right, and the, and certainly they played a role in helping to shape the next when it comes to supply chain. We're going to touch on some of that here. Um, all right. So before I turn over to my dear friend, Enrique, uh, let's talk about, um, we've kind of covered your formative years, what brought you here, a little bit of your journey uh, as you, as you worked your way through, through school um, here in the Atlanta area. But before you, what, you know, we're going to talk about what you're doing now with American Eagle, but prior to your current role, what position or two really shaped your worldview shaker? You know, I, I'm like, Scott, like, you know, Scott and Enrique, like, you know, a lot of, a lot of things in my life are like purely miraculous coincidences, you know, like, um, so you, you, you may be the best qualified candidate, but you don't end up in the right role in the right company at the right time. Mm. Right. Uh, it just, you know, you may, and those are all like coincidences that happen to me. Like I, I work for Coke, I work for PepsiCo, I work for Walt Disney Company, Walmart and Target. And uh, every one of those companies, I would say, shaped me in a different way. Um, Coke, as an example, in uh, 2000, in early 2000, people were actually switching from beverages, like carbonated beverages, to healthy choices. And healthy choices created like a lot of skew complexity. Right. Right. And so these, like the, the Coke distribution system, the manufacturing were really like geared to produce like 50, 100 products of different like sizes. And then very soon they were looking at like literally thousands of product and the combination of all of the different points of distribution, plus basically the delivery into the stores. It's just very complex. They, PepsiCo and Coke make like a billion cans a day. Right. Right. So, uh, so that how do you take, a complex supply chain, which was actually built for a different context, business context, and then like evolve it to the new context of business or where it is headed and simplify the operations, right? That needed a lot of innovative thinking. And that's why I say like, I was very fortunate. Uh, and it's a, it's a long story how I even got into Coke. I sent a movie resume uh, to Ron Hammond you say a uh, movie resume? I, I sent a movie resume. Like, you know, I used to work for the multimedia lab um at uh georgia tech uh teaching kids like how to make like animations and movies and all that stuff um you know uh, because when i graduated i couldn't find a job for seven months 
I thought I was like a complete loser, by the way. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> why wouldn't people? Why wouldn't people hire me? And like you know, and like so, um, but uh, like you know, you maximize whatever you have in front of you. And so, uh, so at that time, I created a movie resume, and it so happened that basically, because I work for the library and the multimedia lab, I had access to Lexis Nexus, um, and I had uh, basically searched for Coke, found the exec, found Ron Hammond. And uh, created a, a small um, uh, disc, uh, like you know, it's it's almost like you know the size of a, uh, uh, you know, uh, your uh, flash drive or something. Flash drive, no, not flash drive. Basically, like your business card. It's just oh, as, oh, as big right. as a business. Card. Yeah, and so it, it's so it's it's literally fits in your pocket. Uh, burn those, send them out uh, to people uh, that I was you know trying to actually get recruited into. Uh, apparently the day um, Ron got it, his admin was out. So <laughs> usually she is the gatekeeper. So it sneaked into Ron's office. Ron looked at it and then he said, hey, I got to hire this kid. <laughs> Very <laughs> creative introduction for sure. So so like, how do you explain that? You know, it's like really like God's grace, you know, and miracle, like, you know, which how it's destined to happen. And so, um, so my journey from Coke to PepsiCo, um, and the beverage portfolio kind of rethinking and distribution uh, really shaped my formative years from a leadership perspective. How do you think about innovation? How do you think about the intersection of operations, technology, and optimization all at the same time? And, uh, you know, kind of construct that to the, the benefit of a large corporation. Um, and so, so that was, that was uh, and, it, you know, when you're, when you're in that kind of a world, your 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 strengths get amplified and my strength is never to give up mm. and never take no for an answer mm. right because like there, there are going to be like a thousand reasons why people are going to say no to anything that they were doing and they got to do differently including like myself like you know i don't change my breakfast in the morning and why do i expect people to change like the ways of working right mm. so it's very difficult on a lot of people so right. like but you you just like learn that muscle of kind of like finding a way. Yes, find learn that muscle and then and then exercise that muscle, right? All the time. Uh, really quick, uh, Enrique. Uh, first off, if to any of our, any of our listeners that may be in that position where they're looking for their first job or their next job or they're in that transition, hey, take heart with what Shaker shared. Find a creative way of reaching and really creating your own luck. In this case, you're creating a, a video resume uh, and, and, and at least giving it a chance of getting past the gatekeeper, right? Rather, rather than saying, oh, they'll never look at it. And then closing that door on your, on your own end, on, on your end, you know, don't, don't give in to that. But Enrique, before I got one more quick follow-up question to Shaker before I turn over and start talking American Eagle based on some of the companies he mentioned, your thoughts on never give up, never going to give in. Your thoughts on what Shaker shared thus far, Enrique? Well, I think, uh, and I've been making a lot of notes as I usually do, but because this is very good advice for not only supply chain professionals, but just for people around uh, any type of industry. And I think just never give up is uh, is usually uh, a very, very good advice to anyone because that's why I believe uh, people do things, right? It's not necessarily always the brightest or smartest or hard or not easiest. even the, it's always the hardest working, committed, stubborn guys that make it to the end. And so I, I appreciate that uh, tenacity and, and of course, not taking no for an answer. That, that w- that's pretty good. 
I do too. Uh, I do too. All right. One final question, and Enrique is going to take it from here. Uh, Shaker, you mentioned Walmart and Walt Disney and PepsiCo and, and Coca-Cola, amongst others. All of those iconic and powerful cultures, right? Different points in history and whatnot. What's um, when, when you think of culture and, and those environments you worked in and had the good fortune of, of having experience in, what's one thing that really, uh, that really sticks out to this day that really shapes maybe how you lead culture with where you are now? Well, in like all of these companies, um, in all of these companies, there was one common theme, right? They're all strong cultures centered around people mm. and their values. Like, so basically every company has its own set of value system, what makes it unique and how they approach problems and how they think about like businesses in general, their impact to society. And uh, so uh, every every company is a tribe in itself, right? And that tribe is actually formed by the norms and the values that company ascribes to. And they all center around people. How do you basically organize your thinking around people, right. unleashing the power of people, unleashing the true talent, like giving them an opportunity to kind of grow and succeed. And if you look at like the companies that I am talking about, right? Like, you know, just take Walmart as an example. When you see... Uh, Doug McMillan, who's the CEO of the company, which is like the largest that we know, Walmart. He walks around with a tag on his like uh, collar. And if you didn't know it was Doug McMillan, you would never know that he was Doug McMillan, by the way. Right. CEO, <laughs> CEO of Walmart. And and so, so like, so all like, you know, every company had its own ethos, you know, uh, uh, it was the servant leadership model, like, you know, when it comes to Walmart, mm. uh, they empower people basically like, you know, everyone is the same. Everyone wears the badge the same, whether you're the CEO of the company, whether you're basically like, you know, doing an analyst work, right? Um, and everyone wears it on the collar. They don't wear it like in the pant, right? Right. Um, so, um, you know, so, you know, you, you, if you if you look at like all what makes these companies unique, uh, it's it's really like how they kind of like bring that culture to life. And for me, like a lot of people think that culture is something which is there to stay. I disagree with that. Culture is one thing which always evolves. That's why you bring in new people. That's why you bring in new experiences. Yep. Values, values are the ones which actually always stays the same. Yep. Right. Well said. It's a living and breathing organism. It really is. Um, uh, all right. One last comment. So coach John Wooden, I shared this on social. I loved one of his uh, woodenisms. You know, he won 10 national championships, at UCLA. And one thing that his coaches and his staffs and his players knew is what he'd call his version of the NBA. And that was the mop bucket attitude. No task was beneath any coach, any player, whatever it took for the team to win as a whole. And that is such a kind of goes along the lines of what you're speaking to. And uh, I've been using the heck out of that NBA by John Wooden here lately. Um, mm -hmm. All right. So Enrique. Where are we going now with Shaker here? Well, we would like to talk a little bit more about your current role and, of course, about American Eagle, an amazing company. And also, uh, first and foremost, uh, tell us a little bit more about the general supply chain organization at American Eagle so that people that are listening to us can better understand the complexity of this amazing company, too. Mm. Yeah, yeah no, that's a great question. So. And uh, my American Eagle uh, responsibility kind of bifurcates between uh, the two worlds that I live in. Um, and both of them are 
pretty exciting, by the way. Um, uh, the first side of the role is basically the American Eagle, the brand itself, and the supply chain that I support. So my responsibility sta- starts from the time the product gets handed over. Uh, so it's made in the factories and gets handed over. And uh, all the way to the doorstep. And the doorstep includes the doorstep of the store or the doorstep of the end consumer. So everything from inbounding the freight, the, the trade management, uh, transload operations, bringing them into the DC, distributing it out to the edge facilities, and then basically fulfilling the stores and the e-commerce orders, including customer promise and inventory allocation. So my team actually manages once like the merchants decide like how much to buy and what to buy. We then actually take the custody of the inventory and say how to place the inventory across all of the different locations that way we could maximize what was bought. Right. So that's essentially like uh, the role that we play. So that's, that's the American ego side of the, um, uh, the, the responsibility. And so to, to give you context, American Eagle moves 225 million units. Um, you know, basically like, you know, we, we are in 28 countries. Um, we've sourced product all over the world. Uh, so we bring it into the, we bring basically all of the product into East and West Coast, uh, into five different ports of entry. Uh, we have two distribution centers, uh, large distribution, national distribution centers, one in Kansas, one in Hazleton. And then we have uh, a newly purchased business, which is Quiet Logistics. And they are in like 10 different markets, uh, eight different markets, 10 different locations, uh, expanding into 20 markets next year, right? So um, so that's essentially the, the footprint of the distribution. So we then figure out how to, kind of move all of the goods across all of these things, plus all the stores. Like we have about like a thousand stores, both area and AE combined, uh, yep. about 1200 of them that we kind of get the product into. So, um, so, so it's a, it's, it's fun. It's, it's a fun role. Uh, supply chains have gotten even more sexier these days. Uh, <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you, know, no, no, you know, like, you know, you say supply chain and like people are like, well, what are you doing again? <laughs> and now like, right. Hey, like knows what a supply chain is. Um, so it's it's fun to be in that uh, position. Um, and my second part of the role um, is uh, is basically this business that we, these two businesses that we purchased. Um, and uh, and we can get into the context of why and other things, but it's quiet logistics. Primarily quiet is, uh, you know, it's the edge fulfillment consolidation um, kind of a network. So primarily before like, you know, the product gets to your doorstep, how do I provide value added services at the edge of the network? So these are like localized fulfillment centers closer to big metropolis so that you could access the customer same day, next day from each of these sites. Uh, AirTerra is the smart freight company. So we we are not like, we are not, we are not carriers. Uh, we essentially like aggregate the carriers. Uh, both national, regional, and local, all of them together, like stitch them into a national whole. And basically, we we then move the freight across using the system of carriers. Uh, are, this, are these two acquisitions more in line with the e-commerce side of the business? Or is there also used for every part of the, the business, including the DCs that you mentioned, all the thousand stores and all that? Yeah. So basically, like, you know, this, these are omni- compliant. In fact, like AirTerra pools orders across multiple brands and across multiple forms of inventory, right? So basically it moves packages, 
It moves raw inventory, it moves retail and transfer units, all of them together in one truck. Because all of them are heading heading in the, right. the same direction, you might as well pull them together, right? Whether it's your brand or multiple brands together, right? So, and uh, Quiet also is multi-tenancy. So we have like, you know, about uh, 50 brands that Quiet actually services today. Um, so basically they're all at the edge of the network. So like we have a facility in Dallas, Boston, St. Louis, LA, Jacksonville, um, and, uh, Chicago. Yeah. Uh, and we would just open the Atlanta facility. So like, you know, so we are in eight markets, 10 locations, uh, and primarily like, you know, we have all brands from Peloton, Fanatics, uh, Saks, Steve Adams and others, which we service from these locations. So we have about 50 brands. Wow. Yeah. When are you getting sleep between American Eagle, <laughs> Quiet Logistics, and Air Terra? Goodness gracious, Shaker. Yeah, my job is 24-7. But it's it's fun and exciting because you get to, like, you know, uh, and going back to the question of, like, what, what formed my thinking, right? Like, you know, um, is... I had this, I had this, uh, moment of solitude, I guess. Right. Like, so my mom was not well. I had mm-hmm. to go back to India in 2018 and like, she was hospitalized. I didn't have, um, much to do except like, you know, just kind of take care of her and kind of like, you know, like stay in the hospital and other things. And during that time, um, I was reflecting on a lot of things about like my purpose in my life and what I need to do and other things. And it became pretty apparent having played the role that I played in all the big companies that a mid-sized retailer can never compete on their supply chain strengths hmm. with a big player. So, and let me, let me give you like, like an example to drive that, right? Yeah. So Walmart moves 50 billion units a year. American Eagle moves 225 million units a year. Mm. So what Walmart does in a day and a half, American Eagle does in a year, right? So it's it's like 250 American Eagles make up a Walmart right. volume, right. right? So so like so if you're thinking that you know what you're going to somehow mimic the scale of the Walmart or an Amazon. Uh, then, you know, I don't think you're realistic. Like, it's not even like, it's not even, it's, you know, there's something called utopia. This is like dystopia thinking, right? Like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know? so, um, so I, I don't think you can ever get, you, you can ever get there because you need like that kind of scale to like, to privatize your network. And so if the world is actually, if like, the Amazons of the world and the Walmarts of, of the world are creating private networks, right? there was never an analog of a open and a public network. Like, you know, just like you have Apple, which is a closed loop system. Right. There was never an Android that was like, that exists in the supply chain world. And so that was a kernel of thought that I had. And it goes back to like the story that I was relating to you. Having come to United States, Scott and Enrique, it didn't matter who I was. Right. How I looked, the way I was carrying myself. I don't even have an accent, by the way, for mm. having lived here for 21 years. Mm. And and people have accepted me. They've given me an opportunity many times, many opportunities. Right. And 
for businesses, it's not a level playing field. So what America did to me mm. to create a level playing field is what I wanted to create for businesses. Uh, all right. So I love this shaker. I love this so much. So, uh, you know, American Eagle wasn't going to be the size of Walmart overnight or maybe even over a month or maybe even over the years. But what you've done with this acquisition of Quiet Logistics and Airterra is not only allow the supply chain organization uh, and, and the extended organization to be a better competitive advantage for American Eagle, but you're also opening up the doors for other folks, um, for, for other customers to take advantage of the same opportunity, right? Yeah. Man, a shining beacon of democratization in industry, Enrique. I love it. Absolutely. And I think it's just the, from a strategic standpoint, it's probably the only way that you can successfully compete against these giants. Because as Sherika was saying, they're just so ahead of everyone else that there's just, you just have to do things like this, right? More creatively, more innovatively and bring together people. Boldly. Boldly. Yeah. Well, I, I I think like, you know, I, I, I pondered, like, that's why I said, like, you know, I had this moment of solitude and, you know, when you, when you reflect on all things uh, that, uh, you know, that you have done in your life and basically you think about like, what are all the different alternatives you could conjure up to actually like, you know, bring like a mid retailer or like a small retailer, like up to the level and standards and quality of service uh, and the cost advantage that big players have um i couldn't come up with one right i couldn't come up with one um and so that led me down this path of open and sharing networks and uh, so i also believe that the customers pay you as a brand for the products you make and the experiences you provide mm. not for how big your supply chain is and let me give you an example coke Guess what is in Coke? 99% is water. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right? And like this formula. And like, you know, and uh, I don't want to, like, you know, and it's unique, by the way. It's new. It's unique. You know, people like, you know, pledge that it's the formula is unique. Right. It is. It is actually, by the way. Um, and, uh, but Coke never decided to build a reservoir. It draws water. Right. 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 So, yeah. so I, I think like, you know, so there are a few things that kind of form your core competency. It's the formula. It's how you present the product. Right. It's how basically people like, you know, uh, consume it. Right. right. And what are they willing to pay for it? It's not necessarily like how many distribution centers you have, how many trucks you put on the ground, how many people that you have in the DC. Uh, and consumers DC don't care about that at the end of the day. Absolutely. Right. Um, all right. One question and Enrique we can take a pick back up on his favorite aspect of his role but really quick as you're talking whatever you can share shaker as you're talking to the leadership the rest of the executive leadership at American Eagle and coming up with this idea of acquiring these companies to change really change the game for American Eagle how difficult and going back to your earliest advice never given in how 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 uphill of a conversation and discussion was that for you to get everyone else to sign off and say, hey, let's do it? Well, um, like, as I said, my life is not only uh, a lot of uh, accidental, like, you know, miracles, I would say, but also like too many good people 
that have come in my life and like the uh, the the two that are my absolute favorite uh, is basically Michael Rempel uh, who's the chief operating officer of American Eagle and my boss and then also Jay Shortenstein and Jay actually treats me like a son and uh, he's a CEO right and so we share like amazing relationship and um, and so when I pitched this idea uh, in 2018, um, both Michael and Jay saw this as an opportunity uh, to create a business around it, right? Um, but we we didn't rush to kind of like, you know, secure the future. Right. We said like, you know, basically let's prove it to ourselves. And once you prove this to ourselves, then we could basically uh, turn around and say, hey, listen, like this is where the world needs to go. Um, and, you know, we create a business opportunity out of the positive results that we have created for ourselves. So it was converting the cost center into a profit center, showing that the profit center can now be like, you know, everyone's profit pool. Right. right? Like how do we kind of like do that? So we took a very methodical approach in terms of how we want to approach this problem. And um, COVID actually accelerated this. This was a strategy that we had, like we thought, like, you know, we we're going to unveil over like two, three years. Um, and uh, COVID actually created the need for us to create distribution capacity, transportation capacity. And we said, like, you know, there are two ways of going about it. Like, we, know we can hunker down and say, uh, let's wait for the perfect moment to happen, or let's take the bull by the horns, figure out how to actually focus on this, make it happen. And so there were many highs and lows in, in this journey too, right? <laughs> right. Uh, there were a lot of, there are a lot of like non-believers, uh, and there were some, you know, there were people who were kind of like trying to figure out like how this is all going to unveil. And sometimes if you're, if if you're, you know, a couple of steps ahead of others, you know, people are trying to see like, you know, like, are you going to be walking straight or taking a left or a right? Like, so like, you know, there's always like, you know, even, in, even for the two steps you're taking ahead of others, right? So now if you're like a few miles ahead of others, then like, you know, you have a real problem. Like people are trying to anticipate where you're, where this is headed. So a lot of this also came down to communication, clarity of thought and what we're trying to do. And, um, you know, whenever we got to that point of clarity of thought and what we're trying to do, uh, people were energized. Till then it was like a lot of persistence. Like how right. do you kind of like keep telling the same thing 50 times and like, you know, then it like eventually like, you know, people get it. And uh, you're able to make progress. So there was a lot of that uh, that we had to do. And the last 20 years of change management, I guess, and last 20 years of all failures <laughs> made me realize um, the importance of uh, coming up with a very structured way of doing it. And and so we've been largely successful uh, to pull this off. Uh, wow. The board is our board is very supportive. Our senior, ex, you know, leadership is very ex, you know supportive. We, in fact, we think this business is going to be bigger than the American Eagle business itself. Wow. That is exciting. That is exciting uh, in such a different way of thinking. All right, Enrique, uh, where are we going next with Shaker here? Well, it sounds like you were somewhat kind of uh, made for this role as well, right? Not only with with your experience coming to the U.S., working through all these different challenges, but then also with your experience with other companies, you know, all these big retailers. So it's, it must be super exciting. And, and of course, it's amazing. It speaks very loudly of what kind of culture American Eagle has uh, and the kind of leadership that they share. So uh, congratulations, first and foremost, for that. Now, with everything that you've told us that you're in charge of, which is 
a lot, <laughs> to say the least. What, what's your favorite aspects of, of your role, your position? What, what do you kind of enjoy or look forward to, to doing every day or every week? Well, I, I, the, the most exciting part of my uh, job, you know, of my role today is really, um, I have 500 associates on my staff and like, you know, like thousands in the field. And uh, to take all of their passion and unleash them. Mm. And it's, it's, it's truly magical. So like, you know, the team that we assembled and the people and, and, and the expertise that we got, right? Like some of these guys uh, that we hired recently from a technology perspective, build the Amazon technology as we know it today. They architected like all of the capabilities that we like, take it for granted today with Amazon, right? Uh, people from Amazon, Apple, Walmart, Target, like, you know, they've all come to join uh, this revolution that we are creating um, to kind of like democratize access for all. Uh, and they believe in this. They believe that this is the winning model. This is going to be the way of the future. Mm. Um, and uh, so that, that you know, unleashing the talent and unleashing that uh, uh, all of these uh, God-gifted talent that people have is like, is truly amazing to watch. Um, I am an innovator uh, who happens to be a good operator. Like I wouldn't <laughs> call myself a, you know, a great one. Um, and so I like, I'm one of those chefs, you know, like, you know, I can never cook the meal, but I can tell you like what a bad meal tastes like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, or smells like. So, so, um, so I think, um, you know, uh, so the intersection of the two, like how do we innovate? How do we take this forward? How do we like, you know, create something fascinating for the industry um, is, is the other thing I wake up every day. You know, there's like, when we think that we've solved the problem, then there's the next problem that needs to get solved. And we wake up every day to solve those problems. Um, which so is, I think, no, which is what you were telling us before, right? That you're kind of inter in the intersection of the operations technology and optimization. And, and yeah. it sounds like it's very consistent with what you have, always done and and of course uh this is definitely going to yield a lot of success not only for you and your team but for people that are actually learning from yeah. from your leadership and what you guys are doing so yeah congratulations thank you so much what are changing the gears a little bit here what are the uh priorities for american eagle and of course after the couple of years that we've had before this is a very kind of tricky question sometimes right because now the future is probably not as clear as we once thought it was. But uh, after what we've been through, the pandemic and now the war and all this other things, casualties and things like that that we've been experiencing in the world and also in our country, what are the top priorities for American Eagle for 2022 and beyond, of course, from a supply chain's perspective? There are, there are two priorities for us. Like, you know, for, for us, like American Eagle... Um, is one of the most beloved brands uh, for teens, right? Like, you know, people, kids associate, like, you know, I, like I was sitting right next to um, like a, like a veteran and basically like, you know, she was like, she, she could not stop talking about American Eagle, like the brand, like, you know, how great the products are. And so like, when you, when you, when you talk to people like that, like you just know uh, the power of the brand and what you stand for, right? So enhancing that power of the brand, continuing to grow, ARI is like a, a growth engine for us. Uh, it actually is about body positivity movement. Uh, they came up with body positivity, you know, ever before everyone else came up with, and we stand for that. 
and um, you know how young women feel around areas of product uh, there's like unlimited growth to that brand and what genfoil our um, you know head of uh, head merchant is able to do to that brand and all the other ancillary brands are to you know attached to it like whether it's offline or unsubscribed uh, we are all we are very bullish about like you know uh, where this is going to go obviously like uh, the our focus is second focus is really getting the inventory discipline um you know supply chains uh we're never just in case, just in time like when it comes to global supply chains you know right. uh, we're we bringing product from all over the world um but that buffer inventory got even longer and with the uncertainties in the market like in terms of inflation in terms of recession kind of pressures and how transportation has behaved um you know you know that just in case inventory got like even more bigger right, right. so how do you how do you kind of manage through that uncertainty um is, is something that you know is going to be top of mind for all of us and uh, the third priority for us is to basically take the businesses that we just acquired which is that and uh, quiet and uh, which we are calling quiet platforms uh, and create the next growth engine and that growth engine uh, is not a brand is basically a supply chain company right so th- those are the three areas of focus that we have obviously international is something that we are going to grow uh, very rapidly and heavily as well like on all of these are like actually uh, talked about publicly as well like you know we we you know we, don't, we we are a very transparent company we talk about like you know what we're trying to do to the rest of the world so uh, so that's that's really where we are going to be focused uh, go forward so yeah, I, I knew we'd get in creating the next at some point there, uh, Shaker. I knew it. You're going to make uh, your Georgia Tech uh, fellow alums very pleased with uh, those three priorities, especially that last one. Uh, Enrique, goodness gracious. Uh, I get the impression Shaker never sits in those laurels more than you know 15 <laughs> seconds or so, huh? A lot to cover for sure. Yes. And very challenging goals, despite everything that he had already has already accomplished. So this is, it, it sounds like an incredible story. It sounds like an incredible company. And uh, we're all looking forward to not only the next interview, maybe, but just what this uh, new acquisitions are going to create for That's you right. and your companies. Agreed. So well, I, I believe um, um, the, so if you if you basically take the parcel world, the small parcel world, right? Small parcels are 22 billion today packages. Yep. Okay. And extrapolate that like whether it's five years, whether it's six years, it's, it'll get to 40 billion. When you get to 40 billion packages, you would need 823 fulfillment centers, 5,000 distribution centers. 750 delivery vans, 1,000 delivery vans, 60 sortation centers, and you would need 8,400 delivery hubs. And so in all of this, you would need 16 million people. Wow. And U.S. is actually growing at 300,000 a year. So, so yes, some constraints so it, there. It doesn't add off. It doesn't <laughs> add off. So, 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 and that's why we are so bullish because you know, doing it the traditional way is a recipe for disaster. Right. Yeah. Right. And so Absolutely. we have to we have to think differently on on this one, 
and uh, we are like we are many years ahead and the acquisition has given us the opportunity to kind of leapfrog uh everyone else you yeah. know people have to acquire brands and do all of this like you know we are already there and we are basically like um moving into this model which gives us immense um kind of like uh, upstart yep on this one so and that's why we are like very like excited about what we're trying to right get gosh the progress that you are made to act boldly and change the game in a very real tangible way and not just for american eagle but for others that can take advantage of of um you know this growth engine that you've alluded to between the kind of the mothership and the two acquisitions it's gonna be really exciting to see the days ahead um and i say days and not weeks and months because i think that's the that's the speed that shaker moves at Emory k um <laughs> but setting that aside setting american eagle aside and and all the the cool stuff and and, and how the conversations and cha- are changing the nature of what you're doing is changing you're unleashing you know setting aside the passion you're unleashing amongst your team which i love that phrase um, when you survey global supply chain, global business, apart from all of that, what's one or two things that you're tracking right now more so than others? I think uh, availability of labor is one thing which is like top of mind for me always. Um, and for me, it's about like also creating good jobs at the same time. Like it's not just like making the roles available, but how do you make it meaningful and simplified for people to kind of like come express themselves and be the best at what they do. Uh, that would definitely be one of them. The second one is basically the geopolitical, like, you know, uh, imbalances that exist, right? Like, we all think um, that, like, you know, like, China is today the problem and tomorrow something else, right? But, like, all of these uncertainties actually doesn't stop at the tier one supply chains. There's tier two supply chains, there's tier three supply chains. So, for every production facility you have, you have the... Uh, the cotton, the milling facilities, you have the production of cotton, like they're all intertwined, right? And so when you try to make decisions in terms of how you source and change and all those things, it becomes such a, uh, it's a scenario planning that like never ends because there are so many different ways of thinking about the problem, right? So how do you kind of prepare yourself for the future, which has not happened yet? uh, And to live in that world of uncertainty, Con- contemplate about the world of uncertainty, have a playbook for the world of uncertainty. Mm. And when it happens, be ready to execute it. Uh, that way you're not like in the nth minute trying to figure it out. Yes. Right? So, so having those, like, you know, for me, those two are always top of mind uh, and they drive most of, most of the um, calculus in terms of supply chain, right? You know, whether mm. it's availability of container, like they're all like the outcome. I right. feel these two are really the drivers of of your performance and uh, uh, everything else like is just an aftermath after that. <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting. I'm trying to draw the best analogy. I know both of you are soccer super fans and, and you know, soccer's played 3D right now. Uh, it's, like, it's like trying to play 7D soccer, right? Yeah. On so many different layers to your point, uh, Shaker, because there's so many, you pull this lever, you got seven others to worry about. You push it, and maybe you got twelve others to worry about. It, it's such an interesting, especially the company with with you know the scope that uh, American Eagle, uh, and really the, the enterprise now that that uh, that y'all are. It's amazing. And Enrique, before I ask about Eureka moments with Shaker, and I've already I think he shared a couple already. Your comments around those two big topics, you know, the the labor market 
And my favorite phrase I heard Shaker say related to that is creating good jobs, right? I love that. I don't, I, you know, I don't hear that very often, uh, often enough maybe from leaders. And then secondly, of course, the, the uncertainty aspect, the gift that keeps on giving, whether we like it or not. Enrique, your, your comments. Yeah, no, I guess like as he mentioned, right, just having a playbook for different scenarios. But I feel like at the end of the day, that's just not only impossible to do these days because there's just so many different things out there that can happen, as you've mentioned, Scott. But so you need to then uh, resort to the to the second best thing, which is having a strong team. And how do you have a strong team with the culture and uh, good jobs, good paying jobs, especially for people that are out there? They're the unsung heroes of the pandemic, right? The truck drivers, the uh, dog workers, uh, all these guys, uh, of course, the doctors and nurses as well. But uh, but now I think supply chain uh, has become more evident that it's important to, to the well-functioning of the world and the economies. So just having good paying jobs for people that are really working hard for everyone else, uh, it's important. And, and it's the the fair thing, the right thing to do. And companies that acknowledge this, like uh, American Eagle, I think they're going to have a competitive advantage just because of the better workforce. Yeah, well, well said. Uh, you know, and I love that simple truth, Enrique. I, I love when we can keep things simple, right? Yeah. Having a great team. You know, if you want, if you want an easy best practice to navigate these uncertain times, man, investing in that team right. and and creating good jobs and knowing that that they are unleashed and and help us, you know, help us push forward. And that's the kind of leader Shaker um, is striking me as. Um, so Shaker, as we start to wind down, we're going to make sure folks know how to connect with you and the team. Maybe they're interested in joining the dynamic team at American Eagle, but. Eureka moments, right? We've, we've, I tell you, the last couple of years, some days have delivered those by the truckload. Uh, and then other days we get by with maybe a couple. What's one powerful Eureka moment that you've personally had at some point over the last couple of years? For me, you mean? Yes, please. Oh my God. <laughs> you should call it a shaker moment, Enrique. I think we need to <laughs> rename that. Man, these epiphanies that he's had and that he's acted on. But what's what's been a powerful moment a uh, reflection or, uh, you know, Eureka moment that you've had, Shaker? Being a dad is tougher than like running a supply chain. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That, that's going to be my that's good enough for the interview. <laughs> that's right. You know, like I have, uh, so my, my son is a COVID <laughs> baby. He was, he was, he was born on April 1st. Hopefully he doesn't turn out to be a fool. But, <laughs> but uh, no, so it's a um, very lovely kid, like bundle of energy. And, um, and all of my, all of my thinking now centers around him, including my job. And so when I, when I look at him and when I look at the world of logistics, World of logistics is not sustainable, right? Like, you know, you have five trucks show up at your doorstep and like, right. like you know, hundreds of packages like coming delivered to you like every every week and it's just as unsustainable. And so, and we talk about like sustainable supply chains and this guy and for whatever it is worth, I would love for him not to figure out how to go live on Mars because I can't afford like 
to live on Mars, by the way. Yeah, maybe Elon Musk can. But uh, <laughs> but but um, but I I I think it's an it's our obligation to basically leave the world in a better place than we inherited. Which means that we should like take the thinking of what we have to a regenerative supply chain and not ne- and a regenerative business and not necessarily a sustainable supply chain. Sustainability still means you just have screwed up and you don't want to screw up any further. Right. Uh, regenerative is really to give it back and make it better. And um, and so so I think like when I say that my son is the biggest uh, eureka moment. Like that was, that is what like had happened to me. Like when he was born and when I was holding him in my hand, you know, I, I made a promise to myself and to him that I'm going to make every effort to be a good dad. Mm. And in doing so, I want to also leave the world in a better place. Wow. Yeah. You know, the two Eureka moments you've shared with us and, and Shaker, I can't wait till your book comes out because I, I tell you, <laughs> right. really, and, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm just kind of just halfway kidding, but you know, the eureka moment you had as you're with your mom and you called it kind of your moment of solitude and, and it, you were thinking so much about reinventing industry and supply chain world and what that means for retail. You know, that's a powerful eureka moment. And then fast forward to when your son was born and that reflection you're having with your son and how and the responsibility you take per, from a personal uh, standpoint into your, your job and into your role as a supply chain leader and what that means. That is, it's very powerful. And I really appreciate you sharing that with our listeners here because I think um, that's why we do what we do, to hear moments like that, Enrique. You know, it gets me ready to run through these walls behind me. So thank you, uh, Shaker. How can, um, so whether they want to invite you on as a keynote, whether they want to just pick your brain more about what you're building, especially with these two new acquisitions and how you're changing industry and, and democratizing opportunities. Um, or maybe they want to join uh, the American Eagle team. How can folks learn more about uh, you and American Eagle? Well, like, you know, I'm very easy to access. Like I've, in fact, like on my LinkedIn, I've left my phone number. So anyone can call me. Okay. Like, oh. I don't care. I, I just like pick up the phone if I want to. <laughs> you better be. So what you're saying is you better be on your toes if you call Shaker because he might pick it up. <laughs> exactly. No. So the best way to reach me is like shaker at ae.com. Well, it's very simple. S-H-E-K-A-R at ae.com. Um, and so people like, you know, I listen, I, as I said, I got my job because... And my God, I got my first break because someone was kind enough to take the DVD, like the CD that I sent and was able to watch it and was intrigued and wanted to meet. Mm. Right. And so, you know, you never know where opportunities are created and how they are created in life. And I don't want to be one of those who stalls an opportunity for anyone. Mm. So, uh, so basically I like, you know, so that's why I always leave all my credentials out there, like for people to reach out. Um, and, you know, hey, like, you know, if you have the passion and uh, you want to make a difference, come join us. Mm. You better bring it. You never know when Shaker's going to pick up that phone. Uh, by the way, Enrique, I make sure folks know how to connect with you, but I should add, um, uh, you know, as I was pulsing our friends at uh, the National Retail Feder- uh, Found, uh, Federation on their newest event, right? Supply Chain 360, who some of the home run speakers were for that event in June. 
the first name that came to mind from the team there was Shaker. So, and now we can see exactly why. Why? Absolutely. Enrique, right. Absolutely. Holy cow. It's, uh, uh, it's been incredible. Um, all right. So folks, y'all know how to connect with Shaker. The same thing for you and Enrique Alvarez. Thanks so much for joining me here as a co-host. I know you've got 18 pages of notes based on what Shaker has shared, <laughs> but I uh, love the great work you're doing with Logistics with Purpose and Supply Chain Out in Espanol. How can folks connect with you and Vector Global Logistics? Well, I think uh, the best way for me is also LinkedIn. Just look at my name, Enrique Alvarez, on LinkedIn. And then also you can also go to our website at uh, vectorgl.com. It's just that easy. It's just that easy. And, and by the way, folks, you should check out uh, what they're doing uh, for the people uh, in Ukraine and beyond. You can, you can learn more at vectorgl.com. Okay. Big thanks. I tell you, this is made, I don't know about you, Enrique, but this has made my day. I know Great. That, uh, it's, it's tough uh, nailing down some time with Shaker. He's got so much going on, right? And, and by the way, he's, um, I guess I'll call him a new father. How old is your son, Shaker? Two years and two months now. Oh, wow, man. What a incredible time. Uh, we've got three. And I remember those, uh, all three going through the twos and threes myself. But big thanks for your time today, based on, especially as, as busy as you are, uh, Shaker. Not a Russian. Uh, Executive Vice President, Chief Supply Chain Officer with American Eagle Outfitters. Thanks so much, Shaker. Thank you so much. You bet. Enrique, big thanks to you, Enrique Alvarez, for joining me here today. Y'all check out uh, what they're doing just with purpose and Supply Chain in Espanol. But uh, Enrique, thanks for your time as well. Thank you, Scott. And thank you, Shaker. It was great actually talking to you. But folks, now the choice is yours. Man, you've heard some in in inspiring uh, change of game real leadership uh, perspective from uh, from Shaker here today. Uh, as we sign off here, Scott Luton and our entire Supply Chain Now team challenging you, hey, be like Shaker, do good, give forward, most importantly, be the change that's needed. And on that note, we see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.